Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let me contextualize that. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to Restoration Plaza underneath the tent. I don't know about y'all, but I'm grateful for this tent today. I am. I don't know if you guys were at our last Herbert Von King Park uh, event. Uh, if, if you were there, that's God's grace that you're still here because that was a different level of heat. Uh, but I'm grateful for the small grace that he gives us of being able to get up under a tent. I'm trying to understand Shonda in the back. She, she's out in the sun but got an umbrella. Just come on up under the tent and receive, receive some of this glory up under this tent. But it's good to worship with you guys. Man, we've been online now for over a year and a half, but it, it, it just ain't nothing like in-person worship. We just look at your neighbor and just say, I'm happy to see you today. Okay, you really wasn't feeling him. I could feel it. You looked at the other neighbor and just said, I'm really, really, really happy to see you today. Turn around to somebody else and say, I'm serious. I'm real happy to see you today. Amen. It's good to be gathered in the body with the body of Christ today. Won't you do me a favor? Grab your Bibles or devices or your laptops or whatever it is that contains the word of God. Shout out to y'all that are online, that are home. Uh, we are grateful for you. You should have been here, no shade, but we're glad that you are. We're glad that you're online. We have the capability to be able to stream the gospel out and stream worship out, and I'm privileged and, and grateful for that. Uh, go with me to the book of John. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. Once you get to the book of John, if you can go to chapter 11. Shout out to the worship team. Man, can we thank God for the worship team, y'all? worship team you guys don't you know I get to see the behind the scenes they are so diligent in what they do they take serious uh, of, of ushering into the presence of God not that we really need to be ushered in but they take serious the the, the opportunity that's before them to lead us and uh, they do that week in and week out and I think they had rehearsal Thursday and uh, grateful for y'all Rob Chris and the team I'm grateful for each one of y'all Josh and the band thank y'all uh, for for leading us today uh, but I'm excited about the Word of God. This is one of the reasons, this is the climax of our, our time is to get into the Word of God. We would have left here and it would have been in vain if we didn't read what God's Word was saying to us today. So I think there's something in John chapter 11. Uh, bear with me. I'm going to kind of just jump around a little bit. I kind of was scattered all week uh, with this passage. And so I'm just going to kind of skip over some things, but stick with me. Um, I think the Lord is going to use this passage. I right, look at verse 1. John chapter 11, it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who, anoint, uh, who, who, the Lord, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. That's going to become important later. Whose brother Lazarus was ill. It says, So the sister sent him, sent to him saying, Lord, him who you love, he who you love is ill. But when Jesus heard, heard it, he said to them, the illness does not lead to death, for it is the glory of God that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. 
Verse 5, and now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Please make note of that. He loved them. Verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. Jump down to verse number 11. It says, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go and awake him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he is asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant talking about rest and sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. In other words, Jesus is like, y'all not quick with the uptake. He's dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that he was not, I was not there so that you may believe let us go to him. Verse number 20 and verse number 32 are, are very, verse number 21 and verse 32 are very similar. Check out the redundancy here. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32, now when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him, she fell at his feet and watch what she says to him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I'm going to preach today. In fact, I want y'all to help me announce it. I want you to get your preacher voice on, not, not Joe Lonestein, but I, I need T.D. Jakes preaching. And what I mean by that is I need you to, I need you to tap into a different level of, uh, of preacherhood right here. Look at your neighbor and just say, neighbor. neighbor. Come on, that's not T.D. Jakes. You got to say, neighbor. neighbor. Say, oh neighbor. oh, neighbor. Sometimes I don't be feeling God. I need you to look at somebody else, and you got to really be honest with this. Look at somebody else and just say, sometimes I don't be feeling God. Let's look to the Lord as we dig in. Father, if we are honest, there are times in our life where we are angry, we are upset, and we are low-key mad at you. Would you teach us today through your word how to deal with those seasons and those feelings of disconnect? Would you teach us today through the word how to deal with those moments where we stopped speaking to you and we gave you the silent treatment because we didn't like how you did us? Father, would you deal with us today as we dig into your word? Pray that Jesus Christ will be proclaimed as we dig into the text. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Shut my mouth if I don't preach Jesus today. But I pray that Jesus would be glorified in our time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Sometimes I don't be feeling God. Just by a quick show of hands, how many of you have ever been um, just angry with a friend? Just, just a friend, like real mad at a friend. Okay, there's a lot of how about a How about a family member? Y'all know family get on our nerves. Let's, how many have just been like, you've been pissed off? See, Chris, you were a little afraid to say it. I got a little bit more confidence. How many have been pissed off with a, with a family member before? Those of you who are married, has your spouse ever got on your nerves before? Y'all said yes to, y'all need counseling, that was too much. Ty, I don't know where you are, I know that's not your testimony. Being angry is a part of life. If you live long enough, you'll find out that people will say something crazy to you that will aggravate you. People will wear you out, they will wear your patience out. If you live a long enough, people will disrespect you. And it is in those moments that the consequence is our anger. And one of the things that happens with anger is it really has one, it leads to one of three actions. Either we're going to, in a healthy way, we're going to talk it through. My family did me wrong and I'm going to sit down, I'm going to tell you how I felt about that. Or, 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 or it leads to the, to the second thing, I'm going to cuss you out. 
Anybody ever been there? You ever been that angry before? Oh, y'all spiritual today. Y'all real deep. Or it can lead to the third, which I said, which is silent treatment, where we just not going to talk to you. I'm going to show you that I'm mad. We, in, in, within marriage, we do this. In the context of marriage, we do this a lot. I'm just not going to talk to you for a few days and, you know, we'll get over it. And one of the dangerous parts about ain't being angry is letting it fester and not talking about it. It's one of the most dangerous parts about being angry is not working it through. If somebody did you wrong, you have to talk it through. But here's the question that we must parse over in the text today. What do you do when you're mad at God? What, what, what do you do when you're angry with something God did? What do you do when you're angry that God allowed something that you wanted him to protect you from? And, you know, it's a little different than dealing with family or dealing with friends because you can't cuss God out. You cuss God out, he'll zap you, you'll cease to exist. You, you can't give God the silent treatment. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, but I tried that one time. He backed me into a corner where I had to speak to him because that's what God does. And you need to understand and really think today of how do you deal when you are disappointed with God? Now, I asked you guys about your family, I asked you about your friends, and I asked you about your spouse. How many have been angry with God before? Let me just kind of get a litmus test in here. It, it, that's like 95% of the room. The other 5%, walk with God a little longer, you'll be upset with him every now and then. It's just the way this thing goes, and I'm not talking to those super spiritual people that feel like you're always in cahoots with God and you and God are always on the same page. I'm talking about those, those real people that will say, every now and then, I ain't feeling God. I'm, I'm, this, I know it's bad English, but it's just good theology. I ain't feeling God sometimes. That there are moments where I am upset with God and God allowed something. And I'm like, God, I know you got full authority. I worship your authority. I know you're in full control. Why did you let him die? Why did you let her do that to me? Why did you let them rob me of that joy? And the question that we have to parse over is, what do we do when we're walking with the Lord and everything ain't cool and peachy keen? But every now and then... Living life with Jesus, you will run into moments where you are disappointed in the process. And I'm glad we have this text before us because the text before us shows me two women that are upset with Jesus. That the text shows me that Mary and Martha, who Jesus loves, are upset with Jesus. And the question is, what, what does Jesus do with this? They, for context purposes, the top of the chapter, if you notice, Lazarus was alive. Mid-chapter, Lazarus is not alive anymore. And this is somebody Jesus loved. Did you read the text? He said he loved Mary, he loved Martha, and he loved their brother, which was Lazarus. And it, the, the Bible says that at the top of the chapter, Lazarus is sick and Jesus doesn't do anything. Okay, let, let, let's get into the text so you won't get mad at me. If you're going to get mad, get mad at Scripture. You rip out John 11, it'll be in another Bible, so it doesn't matter. Look, look at what happens in verse number 3. Verse number 3 says, So the sisters, meaning Mary and Martha, sent to him, meaning Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. You would think Jesus would run right to them, right? You would think Jesus would make his way to where his friend was and heal him. I mean, Jesus is healing people all over town. Why would you not heal somebody in which you have close proximity to? But watch what Jesus does. Verse number six rocks me. So when Jesus heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two more days longer. 
in the place that he was. And it was in the moment where Jesus decided to stay where he was that Lazarus died. Wait a second. Mary and Martha come to you and tell you that your friend is sick and you say, nice, but I'm going to stay where I'm at. That this, this messes me up. And this is one of the things I'm talking about us being angry with God. One of the things that makes us frustrated with God, let's be honest, is the pace in which he moves. You ever been there? Where you expected God was going to move, you thought that prayer was going to hit heaven and God was going to drop it right back down. But God said, nah, bro, I'm staying two more days. Have you, have you ever been there where you expected that God would move a lot quicker and you thought because I'm the type of person that if the, if the biscuits say cook them on 250, I cook them on 500. I just want them done quicker. But Jesus always likes to slow things down. Because one of the things I found out about Jesus is he doesn't march to my beat. He marches to his own beat. Have you ever been there where you prayed about something? And you prayed about something, and you prayed about something, and you were met with silence, Rob. You, you, were, you, were, you were met with almost feeling like that prayer hit the ceiling, it came back down. You were met with a feeling of disconnect. What do you do when you've been there, when you've prayed about your singleness, and you look around, and, and it feels like everybody else around you is getting married, and you're still wrestling, and you're still struggling. What do you do in those moments? Well, what do you do in the moments when you've prayed for that promotion? And you look around, and the heifer next to you gets the job, and you know she ain't qualified. What do you do in those moments? What, what do you do in the moments when you've been praying for the healing of a friend, and then you look up, and God allows that friend to be met with death? What do you do in those moments? What do you do in the moment where you've been praying to conceive and praying to conceive and it looks like everybody else is conceiving and you're not conceiving a child? What do you do in those moments? Can we be honest? When those moments happen, we are angry with God. We are upset with God. Because what Jesus likes to do is stay two days longer. We, we want you to come now. He who you love is sick. He who has worshipped you is sick. He who has been faithful to you is sick. And Jesus says, nah, I'm good. That makes me upset with God. And Jesus always likes to slow things down. He, he often takes his time. He often lets the odds be stacked against you before he moves in. Because when he, what he does, when he does that is when he lets the odds be stacked against you, when he does move in, you now have the testimony. Can't nobody do stuff like this but God. Because if I walked in too quickly, you would think you did it. So sometimes I just got to stay a few days longer. And many of us are living in this space between our prayer requests and God's answer. That's a difficult place to be. Between your prayer, what you've made as a petition to God and him finally answering it. But how many know that sometimes unanswered prayers are a blessing? Sometimes God's no is a blessing. The Bible just said here that they came to him and they said, look, Jesus, we need you to move quickly. And we know you're going to do it because we've seen you heal people. So we know you can do it. So won't you come on? Lazarus is sick. And he's like, no, nah, I'm staying two more days. And in my staying two more days, I am, I, am, I am doing things at my own pace. But one of the things I've learned about the pace of God is you need to learn. And some of you are in that season right now. You need to learn to rest in the pace of God. You, you, you need, can I pass to the room, the tent today? 
So some, some, of you, some of us are so anxious with God moving, what we do is we say, oh, you ain't going to move? I'm going to take matters in my own hand. And one of the things, Mama D, that is the worst is you think waiting on God is worse? Try finding out why you waited on God when you took control of the situation. That's the worst. The only thing worse than waiting on God is finding out why he was slowing things down. Jesus often marches at his own peace, at his own beat. Hey, those of you who are online right now, if you just type in the chat room, rest in the pace of God. Would you look at your neighbor in here and just say, rest in the pace of God? Look at somebody else and just say, slow down. Jesus is in full control. Here's the crazy thing. You think that he would go to where Lazarus was and heal him. But Jesus has so much authority He doesn't have to go where Lazarus is. He could have spoke a word and Lazarus would have been healed. Oh, y'all need some Bible. Let me give some Bible. We haven't gathered together in a while. And I know when when we're online, I know y'all be distracted and doing other stuff. So since I have your attention, Mark chapter 7, the Bible says that there's a Syrophoenician woman and she wants her, uh, her daughter to be healed. Jesus doesn't go to the house to heal her. He sends a word and she's healed. Uh, let me give another story. Matthew chapter 8, the Bible says that there's a centurion servant that wants his servant to be healed. Jesus doesn't go to where he is to heal him. He sends a word and he is healed. Uh, one more, the third time's a charm. John chapter 4, he heals the Capernaum official. And the Bible does not say that he goes to where he is. He heals him by simply sending a word. And so in other words, Jesus doesn't have to be in close proximity to do the work. He can heal Lazarus from afar. Why don't he do it in this text? Jesus certainly could have done it. Jesus could have went there and healed him. Jesus could have flexed his authority and healed him, and he would have never died. Chapter 11 would have read completely different, but he doesn't. He says, it's a good thing I wasn't there so that you may believe. Sometimes God allows stuff to get you to understand that he really is the God that you say he is. Because many of us have professed that he is this this magnificent and almighty God, but our lives are disconnected from that. We don't really believe it. And so sometimes God slows the pace down. He says, I'm going to stay two more days and I'm going to do so just so you can believe. But watch what happens when he stays two more days. The Bible says that Mary and Martha both come to him. I told you to pay attention to the redundancy, but verse 21 says Martha. Okay, it's not Mary. Martha comes to him and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jump down to verse 32. Watch the redundancy. Now Mary, this is not Martha anymore. Mary came to where Jesus was, saw him. She got a little bit more reverence, so she fell at his feet, but she still got a little attitude. Lord, if you had been here my brother would not have died. I don't know if you feel the tension in the text. I can almost, I can almost see Mary and Martha pointing their finger in Jesus' face. You, you, can, you can almost see how aggravated and upset they are that Jesus took his time. But one of the things I love and I think we should all learn from Mary and Martha is that they didn't hold their feelings in and then disconnect from Jesus, but they told Jesus their disappointments. That they told Jesus how upset they were. They said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And here's one of the things I love about Jesus. Jesus hears it and doesn't rebuke them. 
Can you take that note? Jesus hears their aggravation. He hears how upset they are. And he does not rebuke them. And one of the things we can learn about Jesus from chapter 11 and his response to Mary and his response to Martha, if he does not rebuke them, he can handle your attitude. If, if he does not rebuke them, he can handle your hurt. Some of you ain't talked to Jesus in a long time because a family member died and Jesus is like, I can handle you. Won't you go ahead and express that to me? Well, won't you go ahead and tell me why you are upset? Because one of the things I found myself doing is when I'm upset with God, I'll talk to everybody else about God instead of talking to God. And Jesus is like, yo, I can handle it. I'm good. Bring me your hurt. Bring me your disappointment. When I was reading this, I almost felt like, almost felt like Jesus was, I don't know if y'all remember that meme. It was a while ago. That I don't even know who it was. And dude was like, oh, you just want to argue. You big mad. Y'all remember that? I almost feel like Jesus is doing that with them like, oh, you, you, you upset. But he allows them to speak in a way that is different than how they've been speaking. I can tell you now there have been times I've been upset with God. Is that your, is that your testimony? If you go to my house right now, I got 15 journals. Every 10 pages, I'm saying how upset I am with God. And one of the things that happens is he doesn't cut me off because he's gracious. He doesn't cut me off. I know he's sitting in heaven going, this fool wants that and don't even know what's happening next year. I'm in next year. Of course I stopped that. You didn't know what was going on. And some of you right now, you're in that period that I was talking about of the petition uh, versus uh, the, the request versus God answering the prayer. And what you need to do in that space is be consistent, be faithful, and worship Jesus. Because he's good if he does it. And he's good if he does it. Is he not still good even though he allowed Lazarus to die? So the Bible says here that they come to him and say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, one of the things, can I say this? I'm going to say it. I'll, I'll repent later. Pastor Timmy, forgive me. One of the things I low-key hate about religion and church people is when I express my disappointment, I am often met with people saying, just have more faith. I'm often met with people that say, girl, don't talk like that. They won't say that to me. That's said it to y'all. Don't, don't talk like that. Because when you talk like that, you sound like you don't believe in God. No, I fully trust him, but I'm upset with him. I fully trust him, but I'm, I'm not happy with him right now. And never, ever, ever allow people to make you feel like you lack faith because you express disappointment in Jesus. Ashton, if nothing else, it's actually very healthy to express your disappointment. Can you imagine that in a marriage? So Ty and, Ty, Ty and I do marriage counseling uh, every other week. We, every two weeks, we are sitting with somebody that counsels us. And one of the things that I hate about our counselor is when we're getting into something, in my mind, two things that happen. I'm going, I hope you get her on this. That's the third, first thing. But, but the second thing that he's often doing in the counseling session is he doesn't want to hear about the situation. He wants to go a little bit deeper. Tell me how you felt about that. How did that make you feel? What did he say to you? How did that make you feel? And what he's doing is he's pulling on our emotions. He's pulling on the, the hurt and the pain, and he's calling, calling that to rise to the surface. And that is very healthy. We are, we are a lot healthier when we express it to each other. It is not healthy to walk around and act like you ain't mad at God. Let me, let me go over here. It is not healthy 
to come in and lift your hands and act like everything is okay. Sometimes you just need to say, I'm hurt. I'm upset. And so Mary and Martha model, for, model this for us. They say, Jesus, if you had been here, her brother would not have died. They, they're expressing, not, this is not just a little disappointment. They're also grieving. They're, they're expressing, expressing a different level of pain. And I know for a fact, because I talk to some of y'all, I see y'all sitting out there. You, are, you have been upset before because God took somebody and allowed somebody to die that you didn't think he should have. I know I've talked to some of y'all. It's a father. It's an uncle. It's a best friend. It's a cousin. It's a family member. And every now and then in those moments, you have two options. I can run from you or I can come to you and say, God, I'm not, I'm not feeling you right now. Did this, this hurt me. I can, every, every now and then you have to get into that season where you're expressing if you had been here. Is anybody in, in a if you had been here season? If you had been here, that wouldn't have happened. If you had been here, I would have got that job. If you had been here, I would have got that boo, but somebody else took him from me. If you had been here, I would have got the promotion. Do you see how hard I'm working? I am overlooked. If you had been here. One of the things I love about Jesus, you can express that to him and he's okay. As I said, he can handle our attitude. But watch this. I want you to also notice the tone that's underneath verse 21 and verse 32. The tone underneath it is a sense of entitlement. The Bible just said that they said, if you had been here, if you go to the top of the passage, it says, this is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who Jesus loved. In other words, their relationship and close proximity to Jesus made them feel like Jesus, not only if you had been here, you should have been here. You know how much I've been serving you? Do you know how much I've been worshiping you? And y'all know that's how we get. Y'all know that's how we, you walk with Jesus long enough, a sense of entitlement will be birthed in your heart when you feel like when God allows something to happen, you're going, God, you shouldn't allow that because I sang worship today. You shouldn't, you, you shouldn't allow that to happen. Jesus, I went to church this week. We've been to, this is the week I went and you allowed that to happen. And what happens is we allow our entitlement to overtake us. I sense entitlement in the passage, but let me just promise you, and I don't want to I don't want to presume that everybody out here has followed Jesus and is a Jesus lover. I know some of you are disconnected from the Lord. You've never professed faith in Jesus. First of all, we are grateful that you are here. Can we thank God for those that don't know Jesus that decided to hang out today? But let me promise you, I'm just not one of those preachers that say, come to Jesus and everything's going to be all right. I'm not. Come to Jesus and he lights you up. Come to Jesus and you, you, the, the road towards sanctification often in spiritual growth is often bumpy. It's, it's, it's often not smooth. Everything often isn't always well. And sometimes you have to go into this thing knowing that God is going to allow some stuff to happen, but it might be for your good. And as the text says, for his glory. Can you imagine something that you've went through was for your good? But it was also for the glory of God. Never think because you have a relationship with Jesus, you won't go through. Let me just promise you, faith is not a quid pro quo. You know what a quid pro quo is where you expect something because you did something? Faith don't work like that. I give because Jesus already gave. I don't give my faith in Jesus to get anything. I get because he gave me everything. 
Faith is not a quid pro quo. Faith, you don't have spiritual immunity from go through. There is no vaccine for hardship. You just got to go through the process. And in going through the process, what I'm trying to pastor you through today is don't talk about God, but go to him and tell him I'm upset with you in this moment. These two women are expressed. They, they are in a very healthy way. But here's what's crazy. Even though we've gone through hardship and we've gone through trials and we've gone through headache, God has still held us down. Can, can, can we be honest that God has still been here? You need some Bible right here. Psalms chapter 37. I once was young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Somebody know their Bible and his seed begging for bread. God has always been there. Even I know it's, I know it's hard and some of y'all are in that season. You, you're, you're in that if you had been here season. Can I promise you even in that season, God is still there. Jesus says stuff like I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I know it don't feel like it. I know you feel like he upset with you too, but he he's always has a purpose at the end of that thing. The Bible says that these two women are upset with God. They are angry with God. And what, really what I want to call you to do, I want to call you to trace back to when is the moment, because some of y'all haven't talked to God in forever because you're upset with him. What was the moment that caused you to disconnect from God? What is the moment that you feel like you lost it? I, this, that's, what I, that's your homework this week. What is that moment? I got a confession to make. I lost my wedding ring. And, and, and I know, it's, it's crazy. I lost my wedding ring. I searched all over for it. Ty and I will make 19 years this week. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you for that. 19 years. I had my wedding, wedding ring for 19 years, and I, I cannot find it. I done searched through the spots that I put it in the house. I done searched through my pockets. I don't know where it is, but let me tell you something. I went to Ty, and I was nervous, and I said, Ty, I lost my wedding ring. And her response to me was, retrace your steps. When is the last time you had that wedding ring on? When, 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 is, the last time, when is the last time you felt like she wanted me to go back to the point in which I lost it? I don't know if you're picking up the, if you're slow to the uptake today or if you're picking this up. But today I'm calling you to retrace your steps. Go back in your mind the moment that you were really upset with God and you stopped talking to him. Go back in your mind of that moment that you feel like you are disconnected with God because he allowed something to happen. Retrace your steps. And here's what I know about God. He ain't mad at you. He's going to sit there with open arms. He's not upset with you. He's not going to say, girl, I ain't talked to you in the whole pandemic. Now you want to. He will accept you back in. I'll give you this quick story, and then I just want to pray for some folk as we end. Luke chapter 15, the Bible says that there's 90, there's 100 sheep, and a shepherd loses one of them. And in the losing one of them, he leaves the 99 in the open field, and he goes to the one. And when he gets it, that's the part that makes me worship Jesus. You would think that he would go over to it and tell it off. You, why would you wander away from, this, from the fold? You, you would think he would smack it. You would think he would break its legs. You would think he would be upset with it. But if you read the rest of Luke 15, he takes the, lamb, the, the sheep and he throws it on his shoulders and he brings it back to the fold. Jesus wants to bring somebody back to the fold today. Because there is somebody that's been upset. You've been upset and it's, it's hindered your relationship. And Jesus is like, I want to rekindle it today. I want you to love me 
like you first used to love me. Y'all remember that? You remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? Man, you pray all night. You, you, I mean, you, 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 you would read your word five or six hours a day. I remember the first time I had to preach, I stayed up all night praying. All night. No lie. All night. Knots in my stomach because I just wanted to be faithful to Jesus. If I'm not careful now, I've done it long enough, I can grab a text, give three points, an illustration, and we good, and not spent time with Jesus. Jesus wants you to go back to how you first used to love him. And some of you in here, it's not going back. Your first starts today. That relationship starts today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If we can get somebody playing. Worship team, y'all come on up. I want, I want to pray for somebody today. We kind of do this at the end. Nothing spooky, nothing, nothing deep. But only honest people will respond today. I want to pray for somebody that is upset with Jesus. I want to pray for somebody that he did something. He allowed something. I want to pray for somebody that's been praying for that prayer request. And Jesus has intentionally stayed two days longer where he was. I want to pray for you today. Because here's the reality. Everybody in here done been there already. We've all been upset. And the thing about it is, even if you've been upset before, you'll be upset again. Because Jesus doesn't operate how you want him to. He operates the way he wants to. I want to pray for that person today that has been disconnected from Jesus. You, you may know why. You may not know why. I want to pray for you today because today is the day that he wants you to get. He wants you to bring your issues to him today. Would you do me a favor and just come down to this altar? This area, this space right here, if that's you, would you come down? Come on, don't be afraid. If that's you, come on, you come down. If that's you, if you know that I'm talking to you, if you know that thank you for coming, if you know that you've been disconnected, can I get the honest person that, that, that will say, I'm upset with Jesus right now. Come on down here, Dwight. Thank you for coming. I see you coming, brother. Y'all come on down here. Those of you who are upset with, with God, thank you, Mama. I see you coming. There's a few more people. You've been going through life, and you've been going, God, get on my page. Get on my pace. God is like, no, you need to slow down. Would you come down here today? If you're upset at the pace of God, would you come down here today? I just want to pray for you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you, my brother, coming for coming. What song y'all singing? Let's, let's do a line of it now. If we can just jump right into it. Lord bless you. Thank you, Jesus. And keep Come on, everybody, let's worship Jesus together. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you Again, Lord bless you. Say the Lord bless, Lord bless you, and keep you. When there's somebody else, you still got time. Make His face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you.
Father, I thank you for everybody that's on this altar today. I realize how hard this is to come up in front of people to express that we're upset with you. To express if you had been here. To express disappointment and pain and hurt and loss. I, I know that's not easy, but Father, I thank you for every person on this altar. But Father, would you produce in them what that season was supposed to do? You, you, you've never called us in seasons like that to disconnect from you, but it had purpose. In the pain, there was purpose. And the purpose was for our good, but for your glory. And we've robbed you of the glory because we didn't go through the way that you desired us to. And so, Father, I pray that as we're, we're being honest with you, we're, we're being real with you, I pray that you would receive that the same way you received these two women in the text. You didn't rebuke them. You didn't tell them you were upset with them for expressing. This is Jesus. The one that should be worshipped that they're expressing this to. But Father, you allowed them to do so. And I pray, oh God, that those that are on this altar would walk back different than the way they came in. They came in upset. But now they'll be able to leave and express that and you'll work them through that season. Father, I thank you for your grace. There is grace smeared all over this altar today. Because the reality is... That if you were not gracious, the moment we were upset with you, you would have cut us off. But the fact that you've allowed us to come to you over and over again and express the hurt shows your grace. And so, Father, I pray for this altar. I pray for that pain. Somebody's on here and they've been praying, oh God, to conceive. Father, I pray today that they would express that to you. And I also pray that you would answer their prayer. Yes, God. Somebody up here today is upset because you've allowed a loved one to be taken away. Father, I pray that they would, in their grief, come to you and not run from you. Father, ultimately, I am praying for spiritual growth and maturity on this altar. There might be somebody on here that don't know you. Father, would you connect with them today? Would you help their testimony to be, I came up because I was upset with God and I left a worshiper. Would that be the testimony today? Would you build up those that are on this altar? These young ladies and these young men, would you help that season to produce more faith in you? Would you help that season to produce more trust in you? Would you help that season to produce more dependency on you, not less? So, Father, ultimately, I'm praying that they would run to you and not run away from you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Before you take your seat, those of you who are on this altar, just look at me for a second. All around you are people that have lanyards on. And those lanyards say, how can I pray for you? Maybe, maybe there's something deeper you need to talk through. Maybe there's something deeper and personal that you need prayer over. Those of you who have lanyards on, if you could just wave your hand. If you could just see one of them, you can do it now while we worship it, and you can do it after service. But grateful for you coming down. Can we thank God for those that came down to the altar today? You may be seated. The rest of y'all, let's worship together.